You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What's going on, everybody? Curtis Wilkerson with hogsports.com. Coming to you live today with another episode of Hog Hoops Live. Woo! The roller coaster ride continues for the Arkansas Razorbacks as they have gone from red hot to reeling here really uh, in the course of about a week. The Hogs dropped their second straight game uh, last night in College Station. We're going to diagnose the issues from that one uh, and just try to get a handle on what Arkansas has to do moving forward if they want to earn that third straight NCAA tournament berth. Let's go ahead and get started. All right, everybody. As you know, there are plenty of ways that you can watch and listen. We've been through that a million times at this point, but we do absolutely appreciate uh, the support for the show. Throw us a like, a thumbs up, a five-star review. Uh, All those things really do help anywhere you consume the show, whether that's podcast, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, our YouTube page, any of those things. We definitely appreciate it. It helps us expand our reach. Let's talk a little basketball here. You know, (laughs) <laughs> I, every time I hop on and do this show, uh, I, I kind of find myself feeling like a little bit of an idiot because the tone is different uh, almost every week, it feels like, here lately. But I think that's just kind of what we have with this team right now. You know, the, the ups and downs, um, that's what you get with a group that can probably be best described as inconsistent, right? I mean, it's not entirely their fault, but but it's true. This is an, an inconsistent basketball team. Um, you know, there are some real extremes, I think, to that regard also, because Arkansas is extremely talented. They're also massively flawed. And, and we've seen those highs and lows all season, if you think about it, uh, you know, up the hill, right, throughout the course of non-conference play, but but then they fall flat against a bad LSU team on the road to open the SEC slate. You know, drop to 1-5 in, in the SEC kind of rolling downhill again, but then they respond by winning five straight conference games to kind of climb out of the hole. You know, it felt like Arkansas really reached a peak, you know, with the blowout win over Kentucky at at Rupp Arena last week. I remember being on this show, everybody was pumped up and excited. Uh, You know, Nick Smith returns, uh, but but then Arkansas kind of goes tumbling back down to a valley here, uh, you know, with with the home loss to Mississippi State. And then what's really Man, it's just kind of a recurring nightmare that I, that I thought we were done with. You know, as Arkansas blows a a twelve point lead, you know, nine points at halftime on the road, and, and loses to Texas A and M on Wednesday night. Um, well, I was awfully definitive, <laughs> you know, last week talking about Arkansas, you know, really turning the corner after that Kentucky game. Maybe I maybe I jumped the gun uh, just a little bit there. Oh well, you know, that that's part of the deal. But it's frustrating stuff for sure. Um, so 62 to 56 loss to the Aggies last night. 
uh, it's got a lot of people worked up and I don't necessarily blame them. It was, um, ugly, right? It was ugly. And it's not about the loss itself. Not at all. It's kind of more about the way that it materialized, right? And the way that it went down was probably high on the list of, of potential nightmare scenarios for Eric Musselman going into this game. You know, it's a quad one loss. Texas A&M is undefeated at home in SEC play. They've got an 11-2 record. They're, they're alone in second place in the league. So it, it doesn't hurt you on paper. Right? We'll talk about that more in a minute. Um, but listen, you know, anyone with eyes who watched that game last night you walked away with more questions than answers, I think. And, and they see a team that's, that's kind of starting to trend in the wrong direction uh, at the wrong time after appearing to have turned that corner a week ago. Frustrating game for the Hogs. You know, five times this season now, Arkansas has held a multi-possession lead on the road uh, and wound up losing the game. It's the third time in SEC play where the Razorbacks have led by double digits on the road. Found a way to lose the game. There were good things. I mean, things look great for Arkansas early on, right? I mean, I thought they were awesome defensively in the first half. Held Texas A&M under 30% shooting. Uh, they were scoreless for a seven-minute stretch there in the first half. They only scored 24 points going into the half. Uh, turned it over six times. I thought the Hogs really controlled the action around the rim. Uh, they contested shots. Very little came easy for the Aggies in the first half. You know, Arkansas started slow offensively themselves, but... Hey, they got blazing hot there to close the half, right? I mean, the Razorbacks made nine shots in a row going into halftime. It's a hell of a run. It looked good, too, man. Devo was knocking down threes. You know, Jordan Walsh had a couple of tough baskets around the rim. He's playing physical in there. You know, Jalen Graham comes in. He gives a spark off the bench, gets a couple of quick buckets. Anthony Black is dishing assists all over the place. I mean, they look good. You know, Arkansas goes from up two to up a dozen in a hurry. They kind of took the air out of Reed Arena, which was impressive despite, you know, both twins and Kamani and Jordan Walsh all having two fouls in the first half. So they battled through some foul trouble and really got some good separation there. They set the tone and, and they were in firm control. Uh, but man, it, it felt like one shot and 1.4 seconds really changed the trajectory of the game. And look, I've seen a bunch of people kind of going at Jimmy Dyke's neck over it because he, he kept bringing it up over and over and over the rest of the game. I get it. Uh, but he was 100% right. 100% right. Side inbounds, 1.4 seconds left in the half. Texas A&M, hey, they ran, a, they ran a well-designed play. Arkansas kind of blew the coverage there, got popped on the screen. Um, you know, Hayden Hefner, who is in the game for one reason and one reason only, Although he hadn't made a three in five games, uh, he gets freed up and drills one at the buzzer from the top of the key. So, yeah, I mean, Arkansas still went into the half with a, a nine-point lead, um, but that shot brought life back into the arena after Arkansas sucked all the air out of it. It gave Texas A&M a shot in the arm going into the locker room. You felt uh, a little bit of a momentum swing at that point. Even though Arkansas had a cushion, you could feel it. The Aggies come out and promptly made their first five shots of the second half. Uh, they go on a 14-4 run to take the lead. It forces Eric Musselman to call a timeout less than four minutes in to the second half. That quick. And it's it's like game on at that point. Just kind of a complete reset of all the work that you had done. Uh, the only difference was the Aggies had full momentum at that point. 
So you hate to see that work slip away because Arkansas, they played really well to get to that stage. Um, but that's what happens, whatever. Well, they say basketball is a game of runs, right? Fine. I thought they did a nice job of, of weathering that storm and settling back down, though. You know, Arkansas, said they settled in. They actually went back up by, I think, as many as five midway through the half, but just really kind of fell apart offensively, especially there down the stretch. You know, again, there was, there were some good things in this game, and it's not to take anything away from, from Texas A&M. It's a good team. They're playing great ball. Um, you know, I mean, again, the, the defense was mostly solid. You know, Texas A&M shot 35% from the game. You held them nine offensive rebounds. They had 24 in the first meeting in Fayetteville. You made improvement there. Uh, but, you know, you can't let a team shoot 50% from three on you. The Aggies were 6 of 12. I think they were 4 of 5 there in the second half. Um, Arkansas ranks 13th in the SEC in league play in three-point defense, by the way, which is interesting, as good as they were in the non-conference slate. But SEC opponents are hitting over 36% uh, from three on them. Not a, not a super high volume, but when you're connecting at that clip, it can impact you, especially when you're not knocking them down, you know, very often yourselves. So whatever, you know, all those things are true. But but at the end of the day, the the, the kind of the inability of this team to just close games and, and execute down the stretch, especially on the road, that it's an issue for this group. And, and it has been. It's kind of wild. You know, Makai Mitchell, I thought he played well, by the way, but he made a layup with 707 remaining in regulation. Arkansas didn't make another basket until Anthony Black's jumper with 12 seconds to go. Seven minutes to close a college basketball game without making a shot. I'm just not sure what the plan offensively was during that stretch. It was wild. I'm going to give you something to gnaw on here for a second. After Makai made that layup, again, just over seven minutes to play, that gave Arkansas a three-point lead, 51-48. to over the next six minutes, Arkansas took six shots from the field. All six of them were threes by either Devo Davis or Ricky Council. All six of them were misses. For those who are unaware, Arkansas ranks 331st out of 363 teams in Division I basketball in three-point percentage. So when Eric Musselman says after the game that the shot selection was poor down the stretch, he's 100% correct. You know, Texas A&M was in that soft, sagging, kind of switching man-to-man, kind of looked like a matchup zone even. Arkansas couldn't do anything with it there in crunch time. And not only were they taking threes, which is, a, you know, a low percentage look for this team. Um, it's fair to say that at this point. Uh, but more than half of them were, were contested. Pull-ups off the dribble, they just, they're just not high-quality shots. you got to get something a little bit better than that. In a tight game, you know, especially on the road, as good as this team is at getting downhill, we didn't see too much of that. I know the defense, you know, had an impact on that, but hey, you didn't have problems with it early in the game. Tough, man. Arkansas probably isn't really even in that game if not for Devo shooting early. He hit four three pointers in this one, so kind of got back rolling after a you know a down game against Mississippi State. Uh, but he did really struggle late. You know, he, he missed his last five shots. He missed three consecutive free throws, including the front end of a one-and-one one in, in the final three minutes there. 
Ricky finished 3 of 12 from the field, uh, was set on a little bit, wasn't getting downhill as, as much as we're used to seeing from him. Uh, and quite frankly, I just don't think Anthony Black had the ball in his hands enough down the stretch. You know, he didn't score a ton in this game. I think he had nine points, took eight shots. Um, Manny tied a career high with eight assists. He was really distributing, getting others involved. And I just, I guess I would have to go back to watch, but I just didn't feel like he was getting a lot of touches there down the stretch. And, and maybe he's the guy who needs the ball in his hands there. Um, I don't know, you know, but, but I do think it was kind of hard uh, you know, not to watch the end of that game and wonder if Arkansas was a little bit gassed, especially the guards. You know, and I think that is that's kind of what has people the most fired up about this game. And I get it, but like part of it's the backup quarterback theory, though, right? You know, like one guy struggled, so where the hell is his replacement? You know, the outrage that happens after every loss. That is just part of it. You know, and, it, and I, I do think that some guys might be a little bit worn down, though, at this stage. I don't know that to be a fact. It's, it's my opinion. Uh, but I also know that Muss has always, he's kept a short leash, right, or short bench. And, and, he, and he leans heavily on his top guys for minutes. So I don't think that should necessarily come as a surprise now. You know, several have asked, you know, like, why, why didn't Jalen Graham get another look with Arkansas really struggling to score? I, I think that's a fair question. I thought he looked good in his time. You know, it, it, every forward on the roster was in foul trouble, and they turned to Jalen Graham kind of the final five minutes of the first half. I thought he played pretty well. Like I said, he made a couple buckets in there. I thought he did some good things defensively. He had a big block. Um, you know, but but what I'll say about Graham, if I'm just being honest, you know, my assessment, I didn't really think of him about him that much in the moment in the second half because I really thought that, that Makai Mitchell and Jordan Walsh were both playing really well. I just I just thought those guys were were net positives for Arkansas. I thought they were doing a good job. Uh, so you know you know maybe a rotation in there somewhere to, just to give those guys a breather so they're fresh down the stretch. Um, sure, I understand the the desire for that. Mikel got those minutes. He played ten minutes in the second half. You know Graham didn't get a look. What you know whatever. But I guess the you know the big conundrum is probably with Nick Smith, right? And you know, I've been telling folks since we kind of found out that he was, you know, working his way back, that his return was going to come with some complications. And it has absolutely nothing to do with Nick as a player, a person, a teammate, whatever. You just don't miss that much time um, and jump back without the team skipping a beat. You just don't. Look, I, man... I do not envy the spot that Eric Musselman is in right now. You know, I've coached college basketball. I've been in a, a, a situation very similar to this at a, at a much smaller level, obviously. But, man, it's, it's really, really tricky to navigate. It is. It, it's, it's not as simple as plug and play, man. It's just not. But Nick played four minutes in the first half at Texas A&M. He didn't look good in those minutes. He didn't. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you, right? I mean, he, he came in, he bit on a pump fake right out of the gates. The, the guy missed the shot. Um, kind of a lazy skip pass that got stolen. He had a layup in, in transition, maybe he forced it a little bit or, or was kind of going for a foul there, but he got blocked into the stands. Uh, tried to drive that baseline on a guy and, and stepped out of bounds. He was frustrated. He was talking to the Aggies a little bit. It, it wasn't a great rotation, okay? I think people might be more upset or have an even bigger beef if you know if he looked pretty solid in those minutes, um, but he struggled a little bit. 
know, I'll admit, I, I text Andrew Ellis at halftime and asked him, yeah, I asked him if he thought Muss would, would go back to Nick in the second half because I wasn't convinced that he was, you know, maybe unless Arkansas really had things under control or vice versa, like the Mississippi State game. I'm not sure he would have come back in in the second half, uh, you know, had Arkansas not fallen behind by 16. And, you know, at that point it was like, well, what do we have to lose? I mean, it turns out the Hogs did not have things under control, and 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 Nick never took his you know his shooting shirt off the rest of the night there, um, and you know look I I don't know if uh, if that was his demeanor uh, on the bench I I don't know if that was saying anything, you know I'm just I guess when he came out of the locker room you know, in his warmups and, and was at the end of the bench there in the second half, he didn't look like a guy that was going back in the game to me. I don't know if he knew that coming back at, you know, out at halftime or not. That's just an observation on my end. Um, but he kind of looked to me like a guy who's probably just frustrated on multiple levels. Um, and I don't blame him because to be honest, this ain't going the way we thought it would so far. People always say, why is nobody asking the difficult questions? Well, the, the questions were asked, you know. I mean, Muss was asked after the game if Nick was okay physically after not playing in the second half. And his reply was, we're just trying to win a game and keep our season alive. He was asked to follow up, you know, if, if, if Nick maybe just wasn't ready yet for a game like this. To which Muss replied, we're just going to keep working just going to keep trying to work everybody in. I love Muss. He's great to us at media, but I don't, I mean, I don't really have anything to add to those quotes because there really wasn't a whole lot there by way of, you know, of answers. Um, you know, I wrote about this last night at, at hogsports.com, but it's, I mean, it's quite the pickle for Muss right now. We don't know if, if Nick would have helped or hurt the cause last night. But the fact that he didn't get a shot and, and Arkansas wound up coughing up that game amplifies that decision negatively. That that's you know, this is kind of how that, that kind of thing works. You know, I don't I have no problem at all personally with kind of staying in your comfort zone in in a game like this, kind of rolling with the guys who got you here. Um, you know, Arkansas's beaten Texas AM before. There's absolutely logic in that. Muss isn't a dummy, <laughs> right? I mean, he's one of the best in the business. Uh, the problem I think, you know, last night is that here, you know, for this Arkansas team, it's, I mean, it's below 500 in SEC play. They're, they're ninth place in the league standings and on the bubble for the NCAA tournament. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You know, the starting backcourt played all but one minute and 43 seconds of the second half last night. Um, you know, they went a combined four of 18 from the field and one of 10 from three. Could Nick have solved that problem? I don't know. And anyone guessing is doing exactly that, just speculating. But I do understand why folks wish they could have found out, right? You know, just given the way things were going there down the stretch. I understand, you know, people's frustration with that. I see it from Musselman's side too, you know, but to me, I guess Nick isn't, with, with the way things are going with his team right now, the inconsistencies um, hovering around the bubble, they're okay right now, but... You know, Nick isn't like a luxury to add to the mix so much as a maybe a necessity if you want to reach your goals. You know, they need him. Um, you know, my concern coming into the situation was was how Arkansas would go about getting Nick reintegrated uh, because that's easier said than done. You know, there's no there's no cupcake games or, or tune-ups to kind of get your feet wet. And, and every single night is a war in the SEC. And it and and every single night is critically important for this team with its backs up against the wall right now. So it's a dilemma, you know. And I'm not I'm not privy to knowing what's you know what's going on. Like how's he looking in practice, or you know how up to speed is he with the scheme or the game plan and all that. I, I don't know. But what I do know is that I mean, there's no substitute for game action, and that's what makes this so complicated. Because I just don't know if the right time is is going to appear or present itself um to really get uh to get nick involved which makes me you know it makes me feel like again just my opinion but like you know if if, if nick is healthy and must feels like he ultimately gives arkansas his best chance to reach its goals uh he may just have to rip the band-aid off and roll with it right start him or or, or commit to a, you know a heavy amount of minutes whatever and, and just see what happens Roll with it. Um, you know, like I said, it's a man, it's a complex situation. I don't envy the decisions that Musk has to make right now. I, you know, I think it's just, man, balancing the importance of, of winning now versus, you know, long-term being ready for the tournament, although the tournament isn't a given. I, look, it's tough. I lose sleep thinking about it, and I, I only write about this stuff and, and come on here and talk about this stuff. So I know it's stressful for everybody who's who's actually invested and involved. So, uh, you know, that that being said, I don't I don't think anybody's, you know, more better equipped than than must to navigate this. You know, just given his background, um, his history, he's been through these situations before. He's added pieces to rosters. You know, at you know at critical junctures of the season before. That's what happens when you're in the CBA, right, or the G League, or or the NBA even, trades, free agency, guys coming back from injury. He's dealt with load management stuff before. You know, he's, he's, this is not new to him. But that doesn't mean there's, a, there's an exact science because every situation's a little bit different. It's tricky. The good news is, you know, Arkansas is still in good shape, right? I mean, they moved down one spot in the net. After after the loss to Texas A and M, number twenty one. I mean, you're seventeen and nine. So Arkansas is taking nine losses at this point. Uh, they're six and seven in the league, ninth in the conference standings. But you're at twenty first in the net. I mean, you got to feel pretty damn good about that, right? I mean, come on now. You know, they might eventually pick up a quad one win. 
Um, anyway, if, if Texas A&M moves up one more spot into the top 30, then that home win over the Aggies becomes a quad one for Arkansas. So in a weird way, losing might have helped them last night. <laughs> you prefer a win, but I'm just saying. But it's interesting. You know, the metrics absolutely love Arkansas across the board. I mean, if you if you look at the six team sheet metrics, you know, Arkansas is top 25 in five of them. The only exception being their their strength of record right now, which is at 40. And that's not bad. I mean, that's that's tournament worthy. It's kind of wild to think about. You know, we were also up in arms about LSU last year. It just felt like, man, they just, no matter what, they just stayed so high in the net. And we were wondering, like, what the heck does Arkansas have to do to pass these guys? I wonder if, you know, other teams are looking at Arkansas right now thinking the same thing. Like, man, what the heck do we have to do to pass these guys? It's interesting. Kind of similar. There's some similarities there between the resumes from, from this year's Arkansas to last year's LSU. It's funny. I love the Ion College Basketball Podcast. I, I listen to it religiously. I always get a real kick out of Gary Parrish. He, he starts, you know, talking about teams maybe being computer trickers. Essentially, he's wondering, you know, if like their computer numbers line up with with the actual, you know, the product on the floor, the results. Uh, maybe, maybe that's the case to a degree with Arkansas because they do seem somewhat immune, uh, you know, to being punished for results right now. That's awesome. Hey, hey, man, look, if you're an Arkansas fan, this is where you want to be. You want to be on that side of the of the mathematical equation here, right? But look, you know, Arkansas is six and eight in the first two quadrants, you know, with, with their only loss outside of that being a, a quadrant three at LSU. So that's that's not bad at all. I think we're probably so so used to at this point over the last couple of years, just Arkansas's metrics being so high. Um, you know, where they're battling for, we're wondering, Hey man, are they going to be able to slip into a two seed? And so this looks a lot worse, but it's still a, a tournament caliber resume. And if you, if you compare it to the other bubble teams, right? Um, no major blemishes, only four quad four games too. You know, this, this season, they've kind of avoided a bunch of those sub 300 net teams like they had last year. The strength of schedule is better. They haven't taken any of those crazy losses. And, and while they don't have a ton of, you know, super signature wins or whatever, uh, but they've just, they've done pretty solid job despite being, you know, inconsistent at times, uh, you know, of handling their business. And, and it has them in a, in a decent spot right now. The, the bracket matrix composite, I reference that thing all the time here. It's got Arkansas included in all 100 brackets right now. It has them setting as the third nine seed. Um, worth noting that you know, as of the time of this show, that hadn't been updated from the, the Texas A&M result. Uh, but again, that's not going to ding them much. So maybe they, they drop a spot or two to the 10 line now. Joe Lenardi still has Arkansas safely in. He was on local radio earlier this week, and you know he said he, he thinks it'll stay that way, as, as, assuming Arkansas wins out at home. Some people are, you know differ on that a little bit. Jerry Palm, for example, at, at CBS Sports, um, he's dropped Arkansas to, to one of his last teams in the field. He actually updated this morning, Wednesday, jeez, uh, Thursday morning, um, and he has Arkansas as an 11 seed in that first four playing round in, in Dayton against Wisconsin. You'd like to avoid that. If you could, 
you don't want to be in that first four territory of the bubble because then you run the risk of getting bumped if they're you know bid stealers. If some team that otherwise wouldn't get a bid goes on a run and, and wins their conference tournament, right, and, and kind of snags a bid from that at-large pool. So you want to be a little bit higher than that going into it. But, you know, we'll see. I feel like some folks might be a little bit too comfy with, with where Arkansas stands. Maybe I just worry too much because I want them to get there. I want to go to the tournament again. It's the highlight of this job, man. Going to the NCAA tournament's awesome. There's not an experience like it. Five games left. You would think that Arkansas would handle a, a Colin Castletonless Florida team at home this weekend. He broke his hand or, or wrist or something uh, last night, so I, I would imagine he's not going to be available for the Gators this weekend. That's a huge blow. Uh, he's a hell of a player, and he, he's given Arkansas fits in the past. They're still a talented team, and you know it's a it's a top twenty defense too. So Arkansas has got to figure out how to do some things offensively. I know Castleton's rim protection was a big part of that. Um, but man, that's, you want to talk about must win that. And and then this Georgia game at home next week, these two games, it, it's non-negotiable, <laughs> right? The hogs got to handle their business. Um, you know, so the vibes are down a little bit right now, but they're going to have to turn it around and get a couple wins here, um, at home. And, and listen, Georgia's a capable team too. I mean, they, they just beat, uh, you know, Kentucky, they've got some nice wins on the season. Mike White is, is doing a really good job with them. They have a guard in Terry Roberts, who's a big time scorer. Uh, so, you know, these games aren't gimmies. Arkansas and Georgia are tied in the SEC standings right now. Florida's game up on Arkansas. So in, in really important home matchups there. Uh, you know, many are assuming, I guess, you know, that the Hogs will lose. Uh, at Alabama and at Tennessee, they certainly could win those games. Um, I think especially at Tennessee, but they're not going to be favored, uh, you know, I guess going into it. So, you know, if things go according to chalk, you know, then Arkansas goes, goes two and two here. That puts them at, at, what would that be? 19 and 11, you know, and, and eight and nine in the league. That is putting a ton of pressure on this team to deliver, you know, in, in the regular season finale against a Kentucky team who's also going to be playing for their postseason lives. That's stressful. I'd like to avoid that, please. I mean, just go on the road beforehand, beat Alabama or, or, or Tennessee, and let's go ahead and wrap up this uh, this bid here. That way we don't have to worry about it. How's that sound? I think that sounds a little bit better to me. We're going to roll with that. I hope they hit their stride here. Okay. Let's get into some questions. See how everybody's feeling today. Hop over to the message boards here first. Roll through a few of these. I open the mailbag on the message boards every week before this show. Trey Biddy was the first one to hop in today. How about that? He says Arkansas is obviously lacking an assassin who can take over a game down the stretch. It's hard to get Nick Smith ready when the chemistry is obviously thrown off when he's in there and they have to try to win the game first. But at this point, is it not time to just put him out there and let the problem fix itself? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, kind of touched on that, but you know, if if he's healthy and you know, Musk believes that the best version of this Arkansas team will ultimately have Nick Smith on the floor, um, then you got to roll with it because it, it's just so difficult to pick and choose. Uh, you know, your spots on when to get him involved. Like I said, you might just have to rip the bandaid off and roll with it. 
and just see what you got. But you got to have a bigger sample size and you, and you have to have the opportunity there, uh, not only for, for Nick to really settle in and, and get into the rhythm, but for the guys to get comfortable playing around him. Like he said, uh, you know, it, the chemistry is thrown off a little bit there. And, and again, that's not a reflection on, on Nick or anything like that. It's just a different dynamic, you know, over the course of, of what was it, 12 or, or 13 games without him. Uh, you know, they really started to, to settle into their roles and find out what their identity was. Um, and that's just disrupted now. And ultimately, you'd think it would be for the betterment of, of the team overall. But yeah, there's an adjustment period for it. And, and practice, we're talking about practice, right? But it, there's no substitution for getting those live bullets, that those live action minutes in the game. They got to figure it out. Z. Beeler says, uh, what's with the uncharacteristic bad plays down the stretch? Seems like last year uh, it's almost every close game. Oh, it seems like this year it's almost every close game we make crucial mistakes. Yeah, you know what What I think it is is, is kind of going back to what, you know, what Trey was just saying um, about not having that assassin, that go-to guy. Think about how Arkansas operates down the stretch of, of games, how they have under Muss, right? It's not you know, run a play, screen, screen, basket cut, you know, kind of execution. It's get the ball into your best player's hands, spread the floor in isolation, maybe give him a ball screen, but but let him make a play and make something happen. We've seen it with Mason Jones. We've seen it with Moses Moody. Jalen Tate got involved with it. Last year, obviously, it was J.D. Note. Who is that guy for Arkansas? I think you'd like it to be Nick Smith. And if he's right, then he's the easy answer. Until he is, I think it's Anthony Black. Like I was saying earlier, it was just I, I just I don't feel like he had the ball in his hands enough uh, down the stretch. And some of that's on him. Like, you know, you're the point guard, you're the floor general, so so you dictate some of that. Um But I think it's one of those two guys. They have to be the you know be the playmakers there. That's that's tough to put on a, on a couple freshmen, but these aren't your average freshmen, right? I think that's part of the reason for for their struggles to close games, because in this system they need a closer, and they're still trying to figure out exactly who that is. West Hog twenty one says, "Give us Curtis Wilkerson starting five for Saturday and, and the game plan for the rest of the way. The best approach to incorporating Nick." Um, yeah, you know, like I mentioned, I was in a similar situation when I was coaching. Um, it, it wasn't an injury deal, but we we had a Division one transfer. Um, he had a year of eligibility left, but only one semester to play because um, you have a ten semester rule in the NAIA, and so. Obviously, we wanted to have him for postseason play, so he didn't play the first semester. Practice with us, which which helped in that case, uh, but didn't play. But we we wound up being really good, and we really kind of hit our stride. Um, and so it was a challenge coming back from Christmas break when the spring semester started, and how to integrate him. And I remember running, you know, we ran into situations as a coaching staff where it was like. Okay, well, yeah, we're gonna get him in at you know at this point in the first half and and give him this stretch and you know we'll try to get him back in a little bit later. Those plans go out the window once the game starts, right? The the scripts that people have for rotations and stuff like that, like it, it's it's dictated after the first few minutes on on how 
you know, what, what's the flow of the game. And so after two games of kind of struggling through that, we just started him and, and we didn't know that he was ready or not, but we knew that that's the one point in the game that you can control that you just, you just know, you know, what's going to happen. You understand what the situation is going to be. It's a clean slate and both teams are feeling each other out. Give him a good segment there, see how he looks. And then at least, you know, what you have the rest of the night. So to answer your question, I would, I would start Nick. Um, if it was me, I don't, I don't get paid the big bucks like must, but that's what I would do. I would go AB, obviously, um, Devo for defense, Nick, Jordan Walsh, and one of the Mitchell twins. Put in whichever one you want to. I'm intrigued by a by a four guard lineup that would include Ricky Council. I think that would be a good one. Um, but I just I, I kind of like what I'm seeing out of out of Walsh right now. I thought he looked really good last night. Um, I think he really really helps you on the defensive end especially where you're trying to get Nick more, you know, acclimated on that end of the floor. So I think that's what I would do. AB, Devo, Nick, Walsh, one of the twins. I could go either way with whichever twin. I mean, they're, they're the same person basically, right? So of course you could go either way. That's, I think that's how I'd roll with it. Warpig2020 says, after a really good stretch, they're now 0-2 with our highest projected draft pick back. Coincidence or trouble in paradise? Um, I, I don't, man, I don't think there's any like, uh, like locker room issues or anything like that. I, I don't think it's anything like that, but like, it's like I was saying it, I mean, it's just a, it's just a new dynamic to the team and everybody has to kind of make adjustments there. But I don't, I don't think we can, you know, blame any of last night's struggles on that. Nick barely played, <laughs> you know? Um, so I, I, I don't think there's trouble in paradise there. It, it's, I'm sure there's some correlation, but to a degree, I, w- I would also say it's coincidence, just given the fact that, um, you know, when he was in there against Mississippi State for his real minutes in the second half, Arkansas went from down 16 to down eight. Like he was a part of that group that made a run, and then he just, I mean, he just didn't really play at Texas A&M. So it's hard to call it trouble in paradise, um, you know, given the sample size. Scroll down a little bit here. Um, little Chitlin <laughs> says, uh, are we at a spot where we either have to win out uh, or win the SEC tourney? Does this prove that highly rated freshman players may not fit into coaches schemes? What are the odds, uh, that all the freshmen transfer out and or declare for the NBA? I'll take these one at a time here real quick. Um, are we at a spot where we either have to win the win out or win the SEC tourney? No, we kind of talked about that. You know, if they hold serve at home, it's easier said than done. Uh, but they'll be in pretty good position. You might want to win a game at the SEC tournament just to really secure your spot at that point. But ideally, they just do a little bit extra work and and really, you know, maybe improve their seed a little bit, but also really lock themselves in. Um, does this prove that highly rated freshman players may not fit in the coach's schemes? No. Moses Moody, Devo Davis, and Jalen Williams really fit into there well. Anthony Black has done tremendous. Um, and Nick's been hurt, you know. Um, Walsh was probably the most, I don't know if raw is the right word, but I, I can't think of a better descriptor, you know, of, of those highly touted freshmen. But I mean, look, he's still playing a, a critical role for this team. So, uh, no, I don't think that at all. I think there's gotta be a blend there. I think he's got the right idea. You know, at the last time he kind of commented on his approach of, you know, we're taking 
elite level high school guys and supplementing in the transfer portal. I think that's important. I think they need to have more continuity though. Next year, you need more than, you know, probably two returners coming back um, just for the culture and the expectations. I, I think that's important, but yeah. And then what are the odds that all the freshmen transfer out and, and or declare for the NBA? Well, Nick and AB are, are going pro for sure. I, I, I think Walsh would benefit from another year. Um, you know, I still see him pop up on draft boards here and there. Maybe at the, at the least he kind of tests the waters for, for that feedback and then makes a decision. That'd be one that I think would be huge for Arkansas to get back, but I, I could definitely see him going and, and getting that development in the G League too. You know, we'll have to see. Um, as far as the other guys, you know, transferring out, um, that's just that's just kind of the name of the game nowadays. Um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that I know for a fact that so-and-so is leaving because I don't. I have no idea, but um, typically, you know, if, 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 if people really want to want to play and they feel like they're capable of doing that, if they don't have that opportunity or it doesn't work out for whatever reason, uh, they can go do it somewhere else without penalty, right? They don't have to set out. Like, there's no incentive for them to not do that. Um, so, yeah, I, I would expect, I don't know, at least one of them to transfer. It's just kind of the law of averages there. Razorbacker says, Curtis is must ride with NSJ and let him find his way back to being the alpha that he is. Yeah, we, we hit on that. I, I think you have to, you know, like if, like I said, if, if he's healthy and I mean, I assume he is, or, or he wouldn't be back, um, you know, and you, and you feel like he gives you the highest ceiling as a team. I don't know what else you can do besides let him roll. Uh, let's see, scroll here for just a second. All right, one more, and then I'm going to hop over to the chat. Uh, Razorback in Arizona says, do you think our second half collapses are due to exhaustion physically or mentally or both? That's a good question. Um, probably a combination of both, honestly. Um, you know, I, I do think there is a mental aspect to it. Uh, you know, just from an execution standpoint, because this, you know, this is a, a common theme with this team. Uh, you know, just in terms of, of the shots they're able to create and, and, and the execution down the stretch in some of these games, it's, it's been lacking, um, especially on the road. And it just takes a different type of mentality uh, to finish on the road. And they got over the hump a little bit, but even that South Carolina game, you know, they lost a big lead uh, and really had to, to claw to hang on there. Uh, but then they looked great at Kentucky. Um, but, you know, kind of fell back into some bad habits. Uh, against Texas A&M last night. So yeah, I, I do think there's a, you know, a mental focus kind of aspect to that. And part of it's being a, you know, a younger and, and more inexperienced team. But at the same time, you know, when you're 27 games into the season, 26 games into the season, is a freshman really a freshman anymore? You know, those guys have been through some battles. So I don't know that, that you can use that excuse, but the physical exhaustion, it, it's interesting. You know, like I said, Mus, hey, he's always had a short bench. Um, he operates under their philosophy of, Hey, my, you know, my best guys playing tired, um, probably give me more than, you know, my seventh, eighth guy off the bench. That's fresh. Um, and that's probably true in a lot of cases and maybe it's not in some others, but that's just kind of the oper you know, the philosophy he's operated under and, and it's been a recipe for success for him. Um, but the, the backcourt in particular, 
um, just because of some of the attrition that Arkansas has gone through. And it's not just, you know, not having Nick. It's also the Trevin Brazil factor because losing him really kind of put Jordan Walsh in a position to where he has to play most of his minutes at the four. He has to. Um, there's not as much available time there for him to slide up to the wing and play the three. So that's kind of one less guard that you have uh, to supplement some minutes there. And so, yeah, man, they've, they've ridden, uh, you know, AB and, and Devo and Ricky heavy, heavy minutes. And, um, you know, I, I did a story actually looking at how they could get Nick kind of reintegrated without disrupting a lot of things in the rotation. Um, and one of the things that was easy for me was, you know, over the last couple years here uh, in SEC play, Arkansas has kind of ridden their their top guys, top top three or so guys, about 32 to 33 minutes per game in SEC play. Um, and, and, and their current backcourt, I mean, they're averaging over 37, right? And, and, you know, a lot of multiple 40-minute games, and those guys just aren't getting a lot of breathers. Eventually, they're elite athletes, but eventually it's going to wear down on you. And so my theory was, man, you just you get those guys down to that 32, 33 minute mark that they, you know, have used in the past. Uh, but that opens up almost 20 minutes a game for Nick right there without doing anything else. Um, and, and so that was, that's definitely something that's been on my mind a little bit. And, and it's, it's hard not to wonder about it. Um, you know, with some of these scoring droughts and, you know, shots falling short and, uh, you know, mistakes here and there or defensive breakdowns, you know, all those things can be caused by fatigue, um, and, and physical fatigue can lead to mental fatigue down the stretching game. So, Maybe there's something to it. I, I don't know. And it's it's definitely something that, um, you know, I've probably brushed off in the past just because, you know, to be frank, like it's it's kind of worked out for Arkansas, um, you know, up to this point. But I, I think maybe it's something that I should pay closer attention to moving forward, just really monitoring how guys are moving, how they're feeling early in the game compared uh, to late, especially those guys that are playing heavy minutes. Okay, let me hop over to the chat here and see what we got Zachary Bueller says best show on the internet give a like from a man Curtis thank you like the shirt by the way thank you for that also we need the good vibes right now man people are down bad we got to pick up the vibes for this two game home stretch here let's see here John Duckett says we have no offense because our best defensive players are not very good offensive players example uh, Jordan Walsh, great defender, great future potential, a one-and-done player. We will never never see how good uh, future Walsh will be because he will be gone to the NBA. Wow, this is a long one. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, also gets into other, some, some other things. You know, our most experienced down-low offensive players like Jalen Graham has deficient defensive deficiencies, so must won't play him as much. Um, you know, essentially saying that the guys who can really score it might not be as good on the defensive end. Um, you know, for example, Ricky's a he has been a high level score for Arkansas. He's had his struggles on the other end. Uh, you know, then on the flip side, you know, and Jalen Graham is a good example of that too. And and then maybe some of your more lockdown defenders aren't giving you as much uh, you know, points wise. Yeah, I mean you would like for guys to to be a little bit more well rounded on that end. Um I understand that for sure. Uh but, you know, that's just kind of where they're at. And I think you just gotta put the find the right combinations uh, to put together out there. But it's but it's true. You know, like in a game like last night, Arkansas is playing great defensively. They score 56 points. You're like, man, they, they could just sub some dudes in there who get some buckets, and Arkansas wins that game. Well, um, 
do you subtract defense when you add offense? And then all of a sudden, instead of giving up 62, you give up 70. You know, then how does the math work there? So I, I get it for sure. Uh, let's see. Cody L. James says, how do you think they'll do in the schedule? How do you think they'll do the schedule when Texas and OU show up, get rid of some uh, back-to-backs, drop some non-cons? I don't know. I don't know how they're going to work that out. Um, what I probably would need to do is go take a look at some of these bigger conferences. Was the AC, Does ACC have 16 teams or maybe it's 15? I don't know, but I have to go look and, and see how their schedule works. It's going to be interesting to see with all that. You know, it's interesting. It's one thing that, that Musk was talking about the other day. I'm just in terms of the schedule being unbalanced in the SEC. You know, in a lot of these leagues, it kind of works out to an even number. You play everybody at home and home every year. Uh, but obviously that's not the case in the SEC. You know, Arkansas sees uh, what they, they saw Auburn once this year and it's on the road, right? They got them once at home last year, you know, Tennessee, you see them one time this year, it's on the road. But you play Bama twice, you play Kentucky twice, and it just rotates through that. Um, and so that's a little bit tricky. I don't think he likes that. It seems like he would prefer a more balanced schedule. Um, and it gives you a better idea of what your strength of schedule is going to look like every year too. Philip Warren says, do you think this is the most that fans have turned on Muss in his time here? And do you think it's right? I don't think, I don't, I don't think any you know sane fans are, are turned on Muss. I think they're frustrated. Um, you know, I, I think there were things about last night's game that, that people looked at and they didn't like, and they question it. Um, but again, that's frustration building, you know, for, for a team that's been inconsistent. And I, I think it's tough because expectations were so high, uh, man just hasn't gone according to plan. And, and again, like I said, at the beginning of the show, it's not all their fault. Um, you know, it just is an excuse. Like, you know, some of these injuries have been backbreakers, um, and now that they're as healthy as they can be, you know, it's because TB's not going to be able to come back from, from his injury this season. But now that they're as healthy as they can be, um, you know, I think people maybe expected them to get closer to what those expectations were right away. And it, it's just a process. And I think that's frustrating for everybody. Um, and, and certainly when you, you know, have had some of these collapses late in games um, and, and lost some of these big leads on the road and, and then it happens again. Uh, you know, frustration starts to boil over. But winning cures everything. You know, they knock off Florida uh, and Georgia these next two games, and, and everybody's going to be back on the bandwagon. It's just the ebbs and flows of this kind of thing. But, no, I don't I don't think anybody in their right mind is, has, has turned on, you know, Muss. That doesn't mean he's, you know, immune to any criticism for anything. That's, that's part of the deal, right? But, uh, you know, as far as everybody still being on, on the Muss bus, I, I think they certainly should be. I don't think that's even in question. Let's see here. Um, yeah, you know, Landon Montgomery says maybe the most disappointing season ever as a Hog fan with all the expectations. And that's what's tough about it. And I think those expectations were warranted. Uh, you know, seeing those guys over the summer, you know, in practice and, and as they were kind of gearing up for the season, um, you know, that Texas game aside <laughs> and that exhibition – uh, but they looked really good. You know, I, I think they look like a like a team that could compete for the Final Four in Maui. Even I mean, there were there were national analysts who watched them even in a loss in that Creighton game. 
you know, walked away from that tournament going, man, this Arkansas team, their final four good. Um, but there are just some factors that you can't control, you know, and, and Arkansas ran into some unfortunate luck, uh, you know, in the injury department, but also, you know, in, in the past, a lot of these close games like this, Arkansas has won. Uh, and, you know, and, and, you know, Muss has said it, especially when they were struggling early in SEC play, like, man, they just can't catch a break. Um, and sometimes you have to make your own breaks, right? And they did that for a stretch there. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's it, it's been tough on them. And I, I think it's hard as a fan to recalibrate your expectations, you know, w- once you get into the season based on some of the things that have happened, some of the adversity that hits, um, it's hard to do that, but it, it's probably the healthy approach to take. So, you know, I do think if this team finishes the year, you know, with everything that's gone on and, you know, gets an NCAA tournament bid, hey, all bets are off once you get there, right? I mean, it's all about matchups, but, you know, I, I think if you can at least accomplish that, um, you know, you've got to feel pretty good about the way things turned out and just hope that you have some better luck, um, you know, and, and put things together a little bit better the following season. Cody L. James says, we all jumped the gun after Kentucky. We was riding high. Yeah, man, I know. I, <laughs> it was funny as I, I was putting together some notes for this show and uh, I just pulled up what I, I just pull up my notes from the last show and just kind of delete it and, and type, you know, jot down some things. And uh, I was looking at that Kentucky <laughs> outline. And I was like, man, well, we were really feeling ourselves a week ago. <laughs> it's crazy how things changed. That's how I got the title for the show. It's been a roller coaster, you know. Uh, a lot of ups and downs with this group. And, you know, people always say like, oh, never, never too high, never too low, keep even keeled. That's not how fandom works, right? I mean, people get excited when things are good. People get down when things are bad. Uh, but, yeah, I, I definitely there, – there have been times this season where I've really looked at this Arkansas team and been like, man, I just don't think they have it. You know, and then there was a time after the Kentucky game where I was like, all right, hey, man, they finally they've turned the corner here. They're rolling now. And then I I think it took until, you know, this two game skid here for me to be like, you know what? Maybe the reality is they're just going to be kind of up and down and and you just hope that they are up at the right time. Um, (laughs) Zachary Biller says, how many times has Walsh fouled out this season? He's got to be close to a record. But that man gets no love on the whistles. And it's crazy because sometimes they're eagle eyeing him, right? Like there's a magnifying glass on everything he does. Like if he, you know, brushes somebody's jersey, foul, whistle. But sometimes he doesn't get the benefit of calls either, right? Like that, <laughs> that play last night where he went up at the rim and I mean, it was just clear as day, not even hand, but like forearm where he was smacked, you know, it wasn't even close to the ball. And you can just see in the background the ref staring right. I mean, he's right there just looking right at it. Nothing. That was crazy. I was actually shocked that they did that review and removed one of his fouls. It was the right call, clearly, but, man, he just doesn't seem like he gets the benefit of the doubt there. I feel bad for him. And, yeah, he gets he gets a little over-anxious. He's a little handsy in there. So, you know, he... He's got some things to work on fundamentally on defense that'll help him in the foul department, but golly, <laughs> give the kid a break, man. Let him play. Lisa Hancock says, if we had hit our free throws, we win. So disappointed. Yeah, I don't know if I brought that up or not. 7 of 14 from the free throw line. 
Um, you know, getting to the line is, is important for Arkansas. Uh, 14, probably not, you know, they need to be closer to that 20 range, I think. Uh, but yeah, man, seven of 14, that, that's, that's tough. You, you can't go shoot 50% from the line on the road, um, and expect to win. That's a good point. I don't, I don't remember if I brought that up or not. Dustin Hoofman says, I think what frustrates most people is like football. The talk was so high at the beginning of the season. It would have taken, um, almost a perfect season to meet expectations. Yeah. The, the expectations were definitely through the roof. Um, and again, you know, I, I, I think to a degree that was warranted, right? I mean, they, if you go back and look at it on paper, I mean, that roster was absolutely loaded, but we'll just never know, you know, we'll never know what could have been, but the good news is it's not over yet, right? I mean, they're still in position to make it, um, you know, hopefully they can get things ironed out here with, with getting Nick reacclimated and, and maybe those guys hit their stride, um, and they're playing really well going into the tournament. If they are, I wouldn't want to face Arkansas if they're a 10 seed or something like, you know, could you imagine being a, you know, a, a two seed and you're like, wow, boy, if we win our, our first game over whatever low major we're, we're paired up with, we got to see Arkansas in the second round. I wouldn't want those problems. Just me. Let's see. And then Cody says, I'll, I'll take the insane expectations and hope that must brought to this program. Um, over average to below average Anderson teams all day, every day, even if that means some disappointments from time to time. Yeah, for sure. There's zero doubt this program was in a much better spot than it was a few years ago. Let's see. All right. We've got about an hour here. That's probably too long. Are y'all still paying attention? Are, are people still listening? I hope so. There was a lot to talk about, though, today. But again, you know, there's five games left. And, and really, this is kind of what makes it exciting. You know, it'd be cool if, you know, if Arkansas was fighting for a regular season, you know, SEC championship and, you know, top 10 team like they were in the preseason and everything like that. But that's why you play the games, right? And you got to see how it kind of shakes out. And, you know, here we are with – you know, Arkansas, their backs are kind of against the wall, and, and you got to see how they respond here. You know, it's it's uh, it's different than what we thought it was going to be like, but it's still exciting because every one of these games is so important. Like they're playing NCAA tournament games right now um, because it's that important for them to do well to get there. And it starts with Florida on Saturday, right? Bud Walton Arena, one o'clock, ESPN two. Uh, we'll have a live reaction from that one afterwards. Hopefully it's a happy one uh, from some random suite that I get into in, in Bud Walton Arena where we're talking about Arkansas getting back to their winning ways and, and maybe some good things happen. We need to restore some good vibes for Arkansas basketball. All right. Appreciate you guys, like always, for tuning in. Appreciate you, as always, for being a part of the show. Like I say every time, the comments, uh, the interaction, that's what makes this thing fun for me and, and exciting for me. So, <sighs> All right. Ben Curtis Wilkerson with Talksports.com. Thanks again as always. We'll catch you guys next time. Hey. 
baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.